You're listening to the Better Man Podcast, becoming life-giving men together. Hello, everyone. My name is Adam Tarno, and I am joined today by the Better Man founder, Robert Lewis. Robert, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Adam. It's great to be with you again. Good to be with you. Well, today we are going to discuss a topic that we briefly touched on during the last episode on identity, and today's topic is work and vocation and the role that work and vocation plays in a man's life. Robert, what is the worst job you've ever had? Uh, that's a great question. I would I would say, looking back, the worst job I ever had was one that uh, my uncle got me when I was in college. I needed some money. He said, this is a guaranteed 60-hour-a-week job that you'll get paid for 60 hours, even if the weather keeps you from working. I thought that sounded great. That does. And then I showed up, and what I was given was a job with an engineer to lay out cable in the swamps of Louisiana 10 hours a day. Oh, dear. And so... If you're in the summertime in the swamps of Louisiana with snakes, gators, and mosquitoes the size of B-52s, <laughs> and the temperature is 120, <laughs> that job that job is what I would predict hell is going to feel yes. like. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only apt description. The only word that will work is that one. Did you get good food that summer, though? I mean, that's my favorite part of going to Louisiana is the food. No, we did. We we would stop. I mean, because we we didn't take a uh, lunch break except with what we carried in a little uh, backpack. So we would uh, gather at 6 a.m. at a donut shop, and then off we would go, and then we didn't come back till 6 in the evening. Oh, dear. So the whole day we were out in the swamps. And I, I would sit sometimes on a stump with two copperheads looking at me as I ate a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Oh, dear. So it, it was rough. It was rough. But it did pay well. Did it ever rain and did you get free money? The greatest the greatest moment of my life was the last week I was going to work. It rained four out of the five days. So <laughs> it was like I got a reward at the finish line. That's awesome. <laughs> That's great. I think that beats mine. My, my worst job, uh, high school, it might have been my first job. I grew up in the D.C. area and there was this chain restaurant called the Chesapeake Bay Seafood House, right? Because I lived in that Maryland uh, area where the Chesapeake Bay was good. So you would think Chesapeake Bay Seafood House, this is probably going to be legit. Well, for some reason, this place there, their number one item on the menu was Alaskan crab legs. So, I mean, at the time in, in high school, I'd never connected the dots that this is the name of this restaurant is rooted in the geography of the area, but yet they were selling things from clear on the other side of the country, these Alaskan crab legs, and it was all you could eat. And so people would just show up and just eat for hours. And I was a busboy, and I just was was removing just plate after plate after plate of crab leg shells. And I just, I stumped. My mom wouldn't even give me a hug when I came home. <laughs> I stunk so bad. I, th I, you know, and you know how some of those odors stick with you and you can smell them every once in a while, you know, like I'll just, I'll get a whiff every once in a while and be like, do I still smell like that restaurant? You know? And yeah. <laughs> anyway, that's all real toxic masculinity. That is. <laughs> that is. All right. Well, why is this such an important topic, especially for men? Why don't you talk about that? Well, work is in many ways, the way a guy defines his life. I mean, think of it when you get with a group of guys and they're introducing themselves to one another, what's one of the first questions they ask? Uh, they'll stick out their hand to you and say, hi, I'm Bill. And then they'll say, what do you do? Yep. And the reason we start with that is because that's where we spend most of our life. I mean, if you were to take the percentages of life, most of a man's life is spent in the workplace if you're yeah. employed. Yeah. 
And so uh, that becomes a, that's a huge identity maker for guys. That's good. And, uh, you know, and as we talked about identity in the last episode, we, we did mention that, hey, there's some identities you can have that, that get your life heading in a direction that's not going to be beneficial. You're not going to like it. And this one with work can be a little tricky um, that you don't want to make too much of it. And we'll talk about that here in a moment. So before we go any farther in this episode where we talk about vocation, let's at least clear one thing up. Um, why don't you summarize the biblical view of work? Because this might surprise some people. Yeah, sometimes I think work is associated with, from a spiritual perspective, the fall of man. That man was given the curse of work after he, you know, sinned as kind of a punishment that he would have to fight the thorns and the thistles and the ground for the rest of his life, and it would just be it would just be onerous. Right. Uh, but, but that's not true. I mean, if you really read the biblical account, uh, way before the fall, Adam was approached by God with the dignity of work, with the, with the joy, the excitement of joining the God of the universe in work, in creating things, in yes. polishing things and refining things. And I always like to tell guys that, you know, we think of Adam particularly focused on just a garden, kind of a farming job. And we forget the fact that uh, that was his apprenticeship, because Mm. earlier on, when God told Adam what he had in store for him, he said, I'm going to use you to subdue the earth. Yeah, Uh, this was this was a starting place. But ultimately, uh, Adam's big picture vocation was to be uh, one who who stewarded the entire planet. Uh, And so work has always been something that God has given man to bring uh, excitement, dignity, satisfaction to his life. And uh, the fall marred a lot of that, made it more difficult. But I always tell guys as well, remember, uh, when you die and go to heaven, work's going to be waiting for you. God's got more adventures, more vocations for you for the rest of eternity. And that's why I think it's sad that we've lost the, the term vocation, yeah. And replaced it with job. That's good. Because vocation comes from the Latin word vocare, which means a calling. Mm. And uh, a more biblically minded uh, perspective of work is that it is a calling from God to serve him and bring him glory. That That's how we ought to look at work. And Paul emphasizes that in uh, Colossians 3 when he says, whatever you do, do your work heartily as unto the Lord, for it's the Lord Christ whom you serve. All of work is a way of us serving and glorifying God in what we do. And when we have that perspective, it becomes a right fit for our identity. That's right. Which is why uh, you can see why some men can take it to an extreme where they can become, you know, workaholics, or they do feel like it is the core central part of their identity. But putting the right words in the right order there, you are a child of God who has been given the, the dignity of this vocation. You are not this vocation. This is why men feel alive when they work, you know, and this is why you enjoy when you win at work because uh, it's, it's wired in you. It's, it's part of how God made you to be able to do this. And we need to celebrate that. That's, yeah. why, that's why retirement is not a biblical term. That's right. I mean, you, may, you may change how you work. You may cease to work for a paycheck, but men who really understand how life works when they retire 
they'll continue to serve God with their gifts in a work that may be nonprofit, but it still gives dignity, life, and satisfaction to them. That's right. Yeah. Nowhere in the Bible do we see that life, uh, you, you reach a certain age and life just gets to be all about you. That's right. right. It, that's n- we just We don't see that. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, we don't see that anywhere. So good. I think that's important for us to summarize that and make sure that that's talked about here in the beginning of this conversation. And Adam, I think you, I think you pointed out in the discussion before the, the, the uh, podcast, I mean, we all know as men, a lot of men who their work has become so uh, equal to everything they are and think about themselves that when they hit a stage of life that they have to give up that work or they step out of that work, it's not long after that that they die. Yeah. Because they, they, they lost themselves. And when work becomes something that when you let go of it, that suddenly you realize, I've lost myself. That's that's a life that that had work in an improper alignment. It was more my identity rather than just something that comes off of my identity that I used to serve God. When that's out of line, there's trouble there. Yeah, there really is. There really is. And I, you know, and I get it. I understand if you're in the middle of your career and it, things are stressful. And certainly, uh, I'm sure there are so many men listening to this podcast now that, having gone through the pandemic over the last X number of months. Work has not been easy for anybody here in 2020. And so it is nice to think about a day when maybe, oh, I'm five years away from retirement. I'm just going to I'm just gonna go to the golf course every day, or I'm just going to be on my boat every day, or I'm going fishing every day when I do this, or I'm going to play cards every day. Whatever it is, pick your hobby. That'll be fun for about three weeks, you know, and, uh, and then there's going to be something in you that's going to go, all right, something's missing. Something's missing. And that's not that uh, something's wrong with you. It's the way God made you. <laughs> you were made to work and to, to keep adding value. And uh, and solving those problems. So, okay. So let's talk about the Barna study again. That uh, Barna, uh, the Barna Group, and and Better Man uh, came together and did a study on just the state of manhood today. And one of the aspects that they looked at was this around this topic of vocation. So a couple things that I want to point out on this episode. Uh, some interesting some interesting findings from this study. So here was one, and I want to get your thoughts on this. So 34% of those who felt overwhelmed in the past month say career is central to their identity. So what would you uh, what would you make of that finding? Well, it's exactly what we've been talking about. Um, it 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 has infected too much. Career has infected too much of their identity. It it has become equal to their identity. And I, and I know we sound like we're splitting hairs here, but I think it's very, very important that the men listening to us today hear this. Uh, you're not your job. You're not your job. You, you may be called by God to a job and to a career and to a way of serving the world, and it will bring great meaning and satisfaction to your life, but you are not your job. That's what right. you are is a child of God who has has other expressions that that God wants you to use uh, for His glory? Hmm. But at the core, you are a person loved by God for eternity that God wants to fellowship with and connect with uh, for the rest of time. So, if you can keep those two things straight, 
That means when you lose your job, you become unemployed, or you find yourself being so stressed out with your job because you feel overwhelmed that you're not getting what you need out of it, or, or, or you're not getting uh, satisfaction anymore from the same thing. You're even succeeding, but you're not satisfied. That's telling you something about your identity. Yeah, That's telling you you place too much of your identity in your work, and you need to have some way, some group of men maybe, to yoke up with and help separate identity from vocation and get them best aligned. That's right. How can church leaders help men with this? Because I think on one extreme, uh, church leaders will pick on men and and uh, just assume that all men idolize their job or all men spend too much time at the office or uh, things like that. I mean, I, over the years that I've you know I've been following Jesus now for uh, almost twenty four years, and I've heard that sermon, you know, of like, man, you spend too much time at work, and it it, it can sometimes feel a little lopsided um, that just assuming that every man is a workaholic. Um, and so we don't want to go to that extreme, and we don't want to go to the extreme where we completely ignore it. So what would you say, what can church leaders do to help men keep vocation at the right, um, you know, have the right view of it? I, again, uh, I think it all goes back to uh, being able to define manhood hmm. from the very beginning of time. Yeah. Uh, when you define my manhood rightly, that allows a guy to use that definition as the coordinates of his life. And and really, manhood at the core has has a sense of work in it, but it's balanced against other things. It's balanced against family. It's balanced against raising children. It's balanced against making a difference in the world and those kind of things. And all those are part of God's kind of job description for a man that he needs to be considering in 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 toto, not just a job. It's our culture that overemphasizes career as all a man is. Yeah. And I think when when what the church needs to do is first of all, it needs to give a good, clear understanding of what a man is, and then be able to use that definition to help a man imagine his life, balance his life, and live his life. And it's the absence of that definition. I'll just keep saying this. It's absence of having a clear definition that we end up with these caricatures of manhood are these um, extremes of manhood, like a career. So we beat up what men run to because the cultural winds are blowing there, rather than giving a man a compass, a manhood compass, which is that definition, to help him regulate, balance, and coordinate his life because he's been given that to help him and he can use it in the company of other men who hold the same definition. And by that, they can encourage one another to love and good deeds in a balanced way rather than some extreme way. That's right. Let's do this real quick because we mentioned this definition. Go through it again. I know it's in the Better Man materials and we talked about it in the last episode, but we can't talk about it enough. So go through the four aspects of that definition real quick here for, uh, for our listeners. Well, in Genesis, when God is creating the first man, he gives him four life giving responsibilities. He said, if you'll follow me and do these four things, you'll have life. You'll be the true man. Yeah. And Adam failed in that, but those four things are emphasized from Genesis to Jesus. And they're these. One, that a real man will always courageously follow God's word. He won't just hear God's word or learn God's word. That's in a sense being an adolescent. He'll follow God's word courageously because it's in the real world that you find out that you're under live fire and you need to courageously follow God's word. But a real man will courageously follow God's word. He'll love and protect God's woman. 
he'll excel at God's work, and he'll better God's world. And when a man has that compass, and every day he's man- managing and measuring his manhood by that compass, and he have he has other men who affirm him in that because they hold the same compass. That's where you create a community of growing, healthy men who become life givers to the world. But if you take any one of those four things and you make your whole life one that one thing, like excelling at God's work, you'll live an imbalanced, stunted manhood that will not only give you uh that will take away from your life, but it will also wither the other areas like following God's word or being a parent or being a good husband. Yeah. You've got to hold those things in balance, but to hold those things in balance, you've got to have a definition that is a compass that shows how to do that. And that's what we do at Better Man. We start with a definition and we build manhood off of that. So men at any time in their life, whether they're 20, 40, or 80, they can look at that compass and go, how am I doing as a man? That's how real healthy manhood is birthed and maintained over a lifetime. And the definition, as you said right there, number three, that that you excel in the work that God has given you. And just to reiterate that, that is an aspect of it. That's what we're talking about with vocation. But you cannot elevate that higher than the other than the other ones on the list. It all has to work in concert together. And that's when you see uh, the man that God wants you to be, is when all four of those aspects are working together. That's right. And when they are, and they're great examples all around us of men who have lived out their balance, and that balance, you look at their life, and their life has continued over time to give life to their families, to their church, to their community, and in their workplace. That's right. Because they live by a compass that is not just a modern compass, it's a timeless compass that was given by God to the first Adam to live by and is given by all the other sons of Adam since then through the rest of Scripture. Hey, podcast listeners, Adam Tarno here. Before we jump back into my conversation with Robert, I wanted to take a moment and let you know how you can get your hands on the guidebook that Robert and I have been referencing over the past few episodes. Better Man partnered with the Barna Group to conduct a national men's research survey, and the results of this survey have been published, and you can now order your own copy. This guidebook addresses the five essential aspects of a man's life today, identity, vocation, well-being, relationships, and church. This resource is full of interesting insights as well as practical ways that you and your team can better engage the men in your community. For more information, you can visit betterman.com slash Barna Report. Let's talk about this second finding that I thought was interesting here as, uh, as Barna and Betterman studied the state of men today. So the second finding that I want to discuss is this, is that related to the feelings of loneliness and stress. And so two groups of people, I thought this was, was really interesting, two groups of people reported feelings of loneliness and stress. One group was the, uh, those who had wealth as a main career goal, and the other group was those who were unemployed or only working part-time. So feelings of loneliness, two groups of people, some who had wealth as their main career goal, ultimately were feeling lonely and stressed, and those who were unemployed or only working part-time were feeling the same loneliness and stress. So what do you make of that finding? Because I think that's really interesting. I think that's really good because that speaks into everything we've just talked about. Because those who felt loneliness and stress, who had wealth as their career goal, I would say as their identity, probably. Yep. Yep. They made wealth and the pursuit of wealth 
the core of the target of their life. And what they're getting as a result of going there is exactly what the scriptures would promise. You know, the scripture says there is a way that seems right to a man, but the way they're in ends in death. And I would say if a man's living his life for wealth and success, as he gets it, he will begin to taste the death of it, the loneliness of it, the stress of it, because what he thought would deliver has soured in a opposite extreme. We, you mentioned the guys who are unemployed or just working part-time. Yeah, maybe underemployed. I would say that for some of those guys, they're feeling stressed because God made them to have a vocation that they would enjoy, that they could find fulfillment in, not in an extreme way, back to that balance that we talked about, that balance of manhood, but because they're not there yet, because they're, 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 they feel you know put on the sidelines in unemployment or they've got a part-time job and it doesn't seem to be maybe going somewhere and bringing that fulfillment. Their stress is not necessarily because they're, they're doing something wrong. They just need help to get somewhere. That's right. Uh, to, to find a vocation that brings fulfillment for their life, that fits with the gifts and talents they have. And the church could really help those young men or men find an, uh, what I call a right-fitting employment that gives value to their life. And if they do that, their stress will go down, their sense of loneliness will go down, their sense of contribution and satisfaction will go up. So they need help uh, in work where the wealthy men who have lived for work need to dial it back a little bit. That's right. So Robert, how would you encourage the guy who is employed right now but maybe doesn't have a healthy relationship with money, possessions, career, wealth. I mean, what, what would you say to that guy? Well, I think that's a spiritual problem. And, and, and once again, I think guys who are feeling some of the, maybe the compensation of what they're giving their life to is not rewarding. They're just feeling restless or dissatisfied. Again, the Barna research said over and over again, in the company of other men processing life together, you can find the right steps to take for your life. And so if there's a guy out there who just, he just feels like it's not working for him, life's not working for him, and, and his career is not working for him, even though he's got a good paycheck, yeah, it may be he's misaligned in the work that he does and he needs to find a, a job that better fits with his gifts and abilities, or it may mean he needs other men looking into his life and asking hard questions about why he's doing what he's doing at the pace he's doing it and and begin to get a right alignment back to a Jesus identity rather than a work identity. And those are really sensitive conversations for men to have. Not not just talking about career, but specifically now talking about money and your view of wealth and possessions. As I've mentioned before on the podcast, I was on staff at my church for about 10 years and for about 18 months, I led a um, a financial stewardship ministry, personal financial stewardship ministry. And one of the things I noticed, Robert, when I would try to engage people in conversations about money, and especially if somebody had a good job, was making a good paycheck, what they would do is there would be this defense mechanism that would pop up where they would jump to extremes really fast of just going, oh, great, so I just need to sell all all my possessions and be homeless? Is that what you want me to do? And, and, you know, and it was just like, no, that's not at all what we're asking you to do. I mean, if you go look at the biblical examples of uh, men and women and the way they handled money, very few examples sold all the possessions and just, and just left. You know, uh, there are certainly some examples like that, but 
uh, that's that. It would be hard to say that's the norm. Is that everybody just sells everything and and goes and follows Jesus? Right alignment is important. Yeah, it's so important that you find the right fit of a job. Don't just do a job for a paycheck. Do a job for a sense of I'm fulfilling my calling before God. And those things require sometimes some really intimate discussions. Yes. But but what I would say to the guys when it comes to work, if if your work isn't working for you the worst thing you can do is just double down and keep doing the same thing. That's right. You, you're finally going to have to reach a point where you're willing to open your chest and open your heart to another man and let them speak into you. Uh, let, let him speak into you or them speak into you in a way that you begin to find insights that help you find the better way to go. That's and right. It may, may take some courageous steps. It may mean a job change or, uh, you know, uh, new education or whatever. But if I were a man, I would want to be radical about finding a right job fit, because when I get that, what I'm going to find is a deeper satisfaction about my work, and it will meld and balance with my family, with my, my kids, with my wife, with my friends, and my church. And that's a job, regardless of what it pays, that will bring long-term satisfaction in the area of employment. Yeah, so these are on the the Barna webinar, uh, Ricky Jenkins talked about some of the conversations going on in the culture right now uh, are not comfortable, but they're important. And I think this is this is one of those areas as well for men that it's not comfortable oftentimes to talk about career and money and wealth with other men, but man, it is so important. It is so important. And you know, you know Adam, the, the research, one of the things that kind of brings almost a tear to your eye, the research, overwhelmingly said uh, that Barna did for men and young men in particular is how lonely they yeah. are. They're, they're, this is the loneliest generation mm. in American history. Uh, and, and so for any young man listening, you know, you got to come to terms with one of the moves that life demands is that you connect That's with right. other men. If you haven't made that move, I just want to give you the courage to go, you're going to find life there. Don't fear it. The Bible says it's iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. And we're talking about becoming yeah. sharp, becoming successful, becoming finding life. And the worst move you can make as a young man is to stay alone and to stay hidden from other men because they can help you find that life. Yeah, isolation uh, blesses no one. So, okay, so that was that was really good to encourage that guy who maybe just— has the job, is making some decent money, maybe has a, a little unhealthy relationship with that, that you gotta, you gotta open up, you gotta talk to other men about that. These are uncomfortable conversations, but they're important. Now, uh, before we wrap up this episode, let's, uh, let's encourage, though, the other side of those who are feeling lonely and stressed that the study found, and that's those who are unemployed or underemployed. So what, what would you say to that man who uh, is listening, would love to have a job, would love to have a job, uh, a full-time job, or anything like that? Uh, how would you encourage that man? Yeah, the first thing I would do is, if he has a faith community that he's in, I would look around and ask the question, who in this faith community has a business? And I would, I would take the courageous step of going up to him and asking, can I meet with you and talk about employment? You may actually get a job out of that communication. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, but here's what I found. A lot of men love to help young men find employment. They can maybe connect you somewhere. Now, if, if you're unemployed or underemployed 
if they can connect you just to a next step job, I would take that. The thing I wouldn't do is stay unemployed. If I can find work, all work is meaningful. I would go and take that job and begin to earn money. But that doesn't mean you have to stay there. I would use that to learn skills or whatever I needed to do. But I would continue to throw out my nets to talk to other men about other kinds of jobs. They may say, well, if you really want to be this, you need to get this kind of education. What I end up telling a lot of young men, if you really want to find what you're good at, there is some great, great uh, employment testing. I call it aptitude testing that you can go that tells you the kind of skills and jobs that would bring the greatest satisfaction in your life that you already are wired for. You may need some job training, but you have the aptitudes, the skills, the intelligence, the interest to be good at these jobs. So I would say aptitude testing would be a great way to find good work. Uh, Talking to older men who've got jobs about employment uh, ideas that they may actually use you to to point you in a direction for a job, all those kind of things help you. What you don't want to do is just sit. Yeah. Don't fall into the trap of passivity and victimhood. Get up, get out, take a job, begin to work, but know whatever that is, you can begin to network into other kinds of employment. But if you find a job that starts fitting your skills, uh, and when I say your skills, your aspirations, the things you like to do, that's a that's a compass to point you to more of that. And if you're good at the first level, you'll find you're good at the second level. I mean, a guy who's good at his work will work hard at his work and his employers will notice that and elevate him up to higher capacities. I've heard it said oftentimes, Pharaoh always finds his Joseph, right? Always yeah. <laughs> finds him. And so, yeah, you go somewhere and you work hard. I told my son, I told my son this when he first started in commercial real estate, he didn't know anything. I told my son Learn everything you can, ask the men above you what you can do to excel, and then be good at it. Because the scripture says that the man who is good at his work, he'll stand before kings. There you go. That's good. Is your uncle still hiring? (laughs) Maybe we should put a link to that in the show notes to his website. (laughs) Somebody that's sitting there just going, listen, I'll go to the swamps if that's what it takes. I'm not afraid of copperheads. I'll do all that. So, Robert, this has been, uh, once again, really, really helpful. Always great to visit with you. Uh, thank you so much for your time today. Well, thank you, Adam. It's uh, it's good to be with you, and it's especially good that we get to speak to men and just offer them some encouragement because there's nothing more powerful than a guy who's rightly aligned with his life and with his God, and that's what we want. Hey, everybody, Adam Tarno here. If you like what you heard on the show today, please do us a favor and rate and review the show. That'll help people find us. If you're a church or organization leader interested in bringing the Better Man 11-week event to your community, go to betterman.com for more information. Thank you to Aaron Rose, who mixed and edited today's episode. You can learn more about Aaron at soundofarose.com. This has been the Better Man Podcast. Have a great day.